All right. Welcome to Wolverine Wrestling Report. Today we're joined by <clears throat> Andy Vance from uh, Eleven Warriors, an Ohio State fan site, and he also writes about Ohio State wrestling for Flow Wrestling. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jack. Andy, we uh, talked about this a little bit before, but there's a little bit of uh, uncertainty around this because Ohio State's just wrestled Iowa, who uh, is doing a shutdown now because uh, because of positive COVID tests. Are you concerned at all about whether this duel gets off the ground? Yeah, I, I think so, and not because I have any special insight into the medical status of anybody on the team. You know, I asked the the, the team um, spokesperson early Wednesday if you know, they had any concerns, if there were any plans, and um, the response is, you know, basically that they'll continue testing uh, and and having everyone tested, and they'll get the results before they determine the next steps. So, you know, I think they're going to just continue to follow university and Big Ten protocols. Um, but but for me, if I was going to put, you know, a, a bet on the table, I won't feel confident that this duel happens until they get on the bus and start driving north toward Ann Arbor. There, it's just the way this has all gone. Ohio State, we saw it in football, certainly. Um, you know, things can change right up to the last minute. So somebody in the room tests positive for some reason, uh, you know, that could spread to two or three guys pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden you've, you've got to, you know, you've got to do what Iowa's doing. You've got to do what Michigan has done and, and put the brakes on things. It's, uh, it's not great timing, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that, but I will say, I think, you know, Iowa, I'm sure did, did everything right leading up to that. Certainly they held out, uh, Caleb Young going into it. You know, Tom Brands obviously had tested positive and was pulled out. So I'm, I'm sure that the guys who wrestled on Sunday versus Ohio State from Iowa, you know, had all been following the appropriate protocols up to that point. It's just one of those things, you know, you can only do so much and then the virus takes over from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things you're going to have to kind of wait and see and just un- until until the whistle blows, I think we can't be 100% sure. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's, you know, if it happens, it that's great. Uh, but it won't surprise me if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what have your thoughts been on Ohio State going into the season and then how well things have gone uh, throughout, how many has it been, four or five duels for you guys? Yeah, you know, this was a really interesting season to try to, try to guess what this team would look like. And in one sense, uh, seven duels, five and two so far after the try meet with Iowa. And yeah, it's a lot different than, than Mm -hmm. what Michigan or I guess you're right. Michigan would be at that if they hadn't had the cancellations. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, I mean, you look at Michigan and Penn state, both are are three and oh, Iowa's just wrestled five. Um, and, and so Ohio state has wrestled a truckload of duels by comparison. Nebraska, I think it's seven now, uh, as far as other Big Ten conferences, I'm, I was looking down through the list. You know, Missouri's wrestled ten duels already. You know, mm-hmm. when you look outside the Big Ten, Oklahoma State's got nine in, and you're looking at this, and you're like, "Wow, that's a crazy amount of wrestling." This yeah, it season. seems like Missouri and Northern Iowa have both <laughs> been everywhere. Oklahoma's had nine duels already. You know, it just these these some of these teams. West Virginia's been in ten. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah, it just kind of blows my mind when it feels like in the Big Ten wrestling's at a premium this year. You 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 would have a, a total of nine matches. If everything went right for you, right, the you know, starter or team might only have nine matches this season. Some of them probably are, are obviously going to have less. Certainly, Michigan and Penn State fall in that that mm-hmm. category. Now, back to your question about the year uh, and what my expectations were. 
So coming out of last season, if you think back a year ago, that was a, an Ohio State team that was really pretty young. If you went up and down the lineup, you had you know Malik Heinzelman was a true sophomore. You had Jordan Decatur was burning his red shirt at 133. Uh, Luke Pletcher at 141 was was a senior, had been a part of a core part of the lineup for for several years. So he and, and Colin Moore at 197 were the only two seniors graduating seniors, um, and and both had been starters. You know for pretty much their whole career had been been the guy at their particular spot Pletcher you know moved from 33 and 41 but uh but then you looked Sammy Sasso at, at 149 you know redshirt uh redshirt freshman you you know you going up through the lineup Ethan Smith and Caleb Romero were in their second year basically holding down their their spots on the roster um and then you had some positions that were were moving targets throughout the year Rocky Jordan at 184 you had Gavin Hoffman had started at 84 and then ended up wrestling in open tournaments as a heavyweight uh you know you just there were a lot of changes last season so that team did pretty well despite some of the question marks uh and and I think you had some guys like Sammy Sasso who were going to compete Sasso Colin Moore certainly Luke Pletcher who were going to compete for NCAA titles um in the postseason and and we didn't get to see that so this year you know in one sense I wasn't sure what to expect because of the youth on the team. So you were going to take Colin and Luke out of the mix. You're going to bring in an Anthony Echemendi or a Dylan D'Amelio at 141. You're going to be first-time starters either way. 97, you're seeing Chase Singletary drop down from heavyweight. What's that going to look like? Who knows? So, you know, in that in that sense, I wasn't sure what this team would be like. Part of me expected that this would be something of a of a bridge year. You know, you're, you're kind of going between two – um, eras or two iterations of a lineup where you're you're seeing, you know, Caleb Romero, Ethan Smith, Sammy Sasso, got to become a core nucleus of of a potentially really strong team next year, two years from now, sort of thing, uh, and that maybe this year was that bridge year where where you you get there, uh, and and I think to some extent we're seeing that happen as as the duels have played out. You've got a few guys who are trying to find their rhythm. You've had some great breakout performances, um, some guys who have really established themselves as being, you know, true contenders, but but there isn't that 10 All-Americans in the lineup like Ohio State has potentially had in, in recent years where they had 10 guys that they thought could go and scrap for getting on the podium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like every program is going to have periods of time where they're sort of building and, you know, amassing that level of talent, developing those guys. And then one or two years where you really cash in and you, you know, you kind of peak and you try and get a, you know, a trophy or a title or whatever it is you're shooting for. And it seems like it's, I don't want to say anybody's benefited from the pandemic, but it seems like the timing could have gone a lot worse for Ohio State in the sense that this has been your building phase. And in a year or two, when hopefully everything's full go, that's when you'll really be turning heads. Yeah, and the thing that gets you know kind of tough for for Ohio State fans about that because there's I, I don't think you're entirely wrong there that they've been used to Ohio State being in the top three at the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. pretty much every year since you know gosh since the Stever brothers were, were were freshmen you know I mean it just feels like ten years here where and I'd have to go back and look at the actual stats that 
they've had a team trophy X number of tournaments in a row because it's mm-hmm. it's been quite a while that they've been used to that. Certainly that national title in 2015 was was the highlight, but they've been runner-up to Penn State. And gosh, it feels like mm-hmm. seven out of the eight uh, past eight years or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, I think it was three in a row going into 2020. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And and would they have done it last year? You know, would they have been in that top three last year? You know, that, that would have been a tougher slog than it had been those those past few years where it was just you knew going into it it was going to be Penn State Ohio State um so 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 that part is different what i what i think is is really interesting is how this covid situation and this sort of being a free year i've heard a couple different people describe it that way uh, it's a free year so you know the seniors if they want to stick on and, and you know nobody's el- eligibility uh so we look at it and Anthony Achimendia who's scrapping as a true freshman at 141 well you know he'll still have a redshirt year right so this isn't counting against anybody's clock um you know you could conceivably have somebody that's a five-timer because of this situation but at the same time due to the vagaries of of how we do scholarships um in ncaa sports in general but especially in wrestling when it's really at a premium uh, that's going to screw up um i think a lot of programs in terms of bringing in that that next class uh, and, and not just the money um, aspect of it, although that's important, but then also, you know, how's that going to affect guys saying, all right, I'm going to be the next, you know, whatever weight it is. Are they going to be willing to wait two years for their shot uh, mm-hmm. instead of just maybe waiting that, that red shirt year? And I think that's going to be really tricky for a lot of programs to gauge uh, as, as they go forward. Now, you know, first world problems, right? When you're recruiting the kind of wrestlers that Ohio State and Michigan Penn State, Iowa, type try, try to recruit. You assume coming in as a freshman, as a true freshman, right? I'm good enough that I can I can do it, and maybe you won't be afraid of that competition. But I think for coaches trying to keep everybody happy, that that's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. What have been your sort sort of your uh, outsider impressions of Michigan? It seemed like there was a lot of uh, national hype about you know Michigan being a, a team title contender. Yeah, that's maybe faded away a little bit. But how do you think, uh, if that was warranted going into the season, how Michigan's year's gone so far? I mean, I think the reason that it's faded away is just because we haven't been able to see him wrestle, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's that it's that familiarity factor. I mean, nobody's talking about Penn State either, right? And we right. normally are all fawning all over Penn State because of how good they are, um, and there's you know same problem. They just haven't been wrestling. So, you know, what do you what do you make of that? When I go up down the lineup. Um, certainly, you know, the book on guys like Stevan Micic is, is well known. You know, these are guys that you watch in freestyle that you just think, man, that guy's really good at wrestling. Um, the, 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 the Logan Mass is another one. You just get on through the, the list, the Amin brothers. They're so good. Mason Paris. I mean, Mason Paris, wow, what a, what a, what a freak athlete, right? To be that good um, at a heavyweight, to be so athletic. I, I think these Big Ten heavyweights are really interesting this year. So my impression of Michigan was that coming into the season, and, and it hasn't really changed any, that uh, Ohio State better bring their lunch. You know, this is going to be one of the toughest duels of the season. Certainly you looked at the, the schedule and said, okay, Iowa's going to kick everybody's hind parts this year. They're, they're otherworldly. Um, but a team that will give them a run for their money will be the Michigan Wolverines. This just feels – I really love what Coach Bormat's done with the program. I think he's really uh, – I think he's really going to put himself and, and is putting himself, has put himself, into that tier of coaches with Tom Ryan, Tom Brands. Nobody's in the same stratosphere as Kale Sanderson, but, you know, you put him in that that upper tier, he belongs, right? He clearly knows his business. He's He's got – 
great talent um, to go with the brand and the history and the tradition and the facilities and all that. So, yeah, I, my impressions were very hot, and I think the only reason you're not seeing that national chatter that you had previously is just because the guys aren't wrestling. There's nothing mm-hmm. to talk about. Mm-hmm. So if we get into this uh, this duel here, you know, it's interesting because Michigan's always been a team that was usually stronger in a duel than it, at the national tournament. This year it might be reversed where Michigan, you know, it lo- looks like a very strong team in um, – at the national tournament, but I'm I'm not sure how this duel goes. So let's start at 125. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably Malik Heinzelman for Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. Although, you know what's what's interesting, and people give Tom Ryan um, grief at times. Like, and I say people, I mean nattering nabobs on Twitter. I should say, you know, not necessarily you know real people per se, but but Twitter people will give Tom Ryan grief. I saw it after the the Iowa duel. You know, they didn't run Heinzelman out to wrestle, wrestle against Spencer Lee at right. 125. And they were like, oh, you know, there's Tom Ryan protecting seed. And it's like, come on. You know, you've got a guy like Heinzelman who's worked his way into the top 10 uh, of, of the major rankings. He's Everybody he'd beat so far this year, everybody he'd uh, had uh, beat, I think, in the first, like, four matches of the season were guys that beat him last year. Um, you know, he goes to Michigan State and, and beats Rayvon Foley. He was top 10 guy at the time. You know, and and so you go into that match and you say, what is there, what is there to gain by wrestling Malik Heinzelman in a year where he's only going to get nine matches, maybe, heading into the the tournaments? What's what's the point of putting him out there to get pinned? Because Spencer Lee's pinned everybody he's wrestled this year. Like, why why do why do we need to do that? Like, what's what's the what's the profit in that? I mean, you know, it's you want your best guys to wrestle the best guys. I I get that, but but just thinking about this, you know, like a, I guess a logical, practical person, there was there was no point in doing that. So now this is a different thing, right? You're not running out. Michigan's not trotting out Spencer Lee. So yeah, mm-hmm. I would say Heinzelman will go. Um, I Heinzelman is my breakout guy of the season for Ohio State. I can't say enough good things about this kid, and partly that's because I've been super critical of him for two seasons. He was a guy that needed a redshirt season, mm-hmm. um, didn't get one. Ohio State needed him to go, and so he went. This is a guy with elite-level freestyle credentials. You know, he's been on Cadet World teams and done very well for himself. And he was small for a 125-pounder. He needed to grow into the weight. Um, and and he's done that. He's been in the weight room. I know he was in the weight room all summer long, even though he couldn't get into the room at Ohio State. I know he was at a gym training all summer long to get stronger. Um, still needs to get a little better on bottom, you know, which is true, I think, of a lot of Ohio State's guys. But he's done very well for himself on top. His top game's improved quite a lot to go along with his already strong game from the neutral position. So I've been super impressed with Heinzelman. I'm not sure he gets enough credit or respect for what he's done. Now, I say that he went out um, against Purdue and, and dropped a one-to-zip decision. So, you know, he kind of made a liar of me in that, in that regard because I'd been really hyping him up after his first five matches. And then this mm-hmm. last one was not was not his best outing, but hey, you know, everybody has an off day. Yeah, I've enjoyed watching him wrestle. I, I don't root for Ohio State wrestlers all that often, but there's there's a couple on your team that I like. Uh, so Michigan's going to have, I think, Dylan Ragazin, who, you know, was sort of a sensation in the fall mm-hmm. at uh, the Senior Nationals and at uh, Juniors. How do you see a match between the two of them going? Yeah, you know, and, and, and I haven't watched a lot of Ragazin's tape, so I just kind of go back and look at, uh, and how he's performed, you know, and sometimes I'll look at common opponents. I went back and, 
you know, he, he and uh, uh, Malika both wrestled Nick Aguilar uh, over, a couple times over the past year, you know, so I look and say, well, um, uh, Dylan wrestled him in January here before the shutdown. He pins him mm -hmm. a minute in, you know, Malik, it was a 10 to four decision, right? So you can, okay, not that you can judge a lot by common opponents. Um, you know, I think that's one that you probably will give Ragusin the edge in that match, but that's a match where I'd say the, the Malik Heinzelman that beat Rayvon Foley and, and was kind of on the quote unquote revenge tour earlier in the year. If he comes out, he just has to push his offense. That's one of the things that is true of a few guys on last year's Ohio State team that um, I, I think they have to worry about not reverting back to tendencies to try to be too defensive and, and just go out there and shoot your shot. And, you know, and I know it's easy to say that. Uh, when his attack rate is high, he wins matches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish I could have seen uh, Ragazin's match against Brock Hudkins from Indiana. The BTN Plus feed for that just didn't work. Uh, mm -hmm. There's there's basically no footage of that match, uh, so, so I don't know how it played out. Because mm -hmm. you know, there, there's just not a lot of information on Ragazin yep. collegiately. So I, I I agree, you probably favor him, but I don't know how much reason there really is to. That's that's definitely I think a swing match. Yeah, it's absolutely one where if I'm Ohio State, I'm going in and say, okay, this is a match we got to win, mm -hmm. and and can win, right? Like I I think I think Heinzelman should be going in with a fair bit of confidence. Is his match in Purdue? You just call it a fluke, and and you go on because he'd been wrestling the best matches of his his collegiate career up to that point for sure. Mm -hmm. One thirty three. I don't know if uh, Mitic is going to be available. Um, I I hope so. It's possible he won't be, and then it'll be most likely Jack Medley taking on probably Jordan mm -hmm. Decatur. Yep. Yep. Jordan Decatur. Uh, you know, he's a guy. He's a guy I really like to watch wrestle. Um, when when he's feeling his oats, he's he's pretty slick. He's he's strong. You know, he's a big thirty three, and that's the that's the problem. Also, is he's a big thirty three, so. He ends up having the situation where you know he's gassed in third periods if he had to cut too much. You know he's a guy that mm -hmm. just last season in particular he's definitely been better about it this season. It looked like um, most of his matches so far this year, even the ones where he was getting beat by by better wrestlers, more talented wrestlers, um, it wasn't a lack of energy that got him. You know where last season you could see it in the third period he was just smoked. Because because he didn't have the energy because of the cut he was making, so he's done a better job I think with weight management. But he's a guy I really like wrestling. Uh, you know, generally speaking, he's a guy that you will give his best effort. You know, even in even in matches this season where you know he was getting beat by a better wrestler, he was still going at it in the third trying to win the match, and and I like that about him. Um, you know, and he was a great guy, a guy that had a great uh, high school career uh, here in Ohio. You know, that that sort of uh, Ohio guy wrestling for Ohio State thing always always works for me. Um, th this will be an interesting match, you know. Either way, certainly, you know, wrestling Michich, you would you would say Michich would be the prohibitive favorite there. Obviously, he's the top guy in the class, uh, you know. I think for my money, and you know, if he ends up wrestling Medley, I think is Medley listed as a one twenty five. He'd be he'd yeah. Be he, um, he he actually weighed in for the first two duels at one twenty five. Yeah, so I mean that would be pretty interesting. Um, because you know, there, there you'd say, okay, Decatur's a big 33, you mm -hmm. know, so can he, 
can he can he muscle up and um, and hang with him or not? You know, I think that would be a really interesting match. And there again, if you're Ohio State saying we want to come up here and win this duel, um, which on paper obviously Michigan's favored uh, as the as the as the, as you noted, maybe the better dual team, um, then that this is one where you'd go in and say if Mitrich isn't wrestling, that's a gift for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like Medley um, stylistically that could be an interesting one because he's. Yeah. Got Very a great gas tank, right? and he's got, um, you know, Medley just stays in really good position, and if he can kind of withstand the first couple of periods, he might be in position to win that, but I think he's just the uh, the size, and he, he doesn't always, you know, score much. Mm-hmm. I think he would struggle to actually win that one. Yeah, and so that's the that's the other thing, too, about Jordan Decatur that I think is really interesting. When he gets out there and puts points on the board in the first period, he, he wins. He mm-hmm. doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to score as much. You know, he had um, uh, go back and look at the at the uh, uh, the results to see which match I'm thinking of here. But he had one where you know he goes feet to back and gets a six point move in the first period, and the the match ends up so you race out to a six to nothing mm-hmm. lead, and I think the final score is like six to one. <laughs> You're like, all right, yeah. what, what happened the last five minutes of this match? You know. Uh, so what you're saying though, I mean, that, that's again, stylistically could be a really interesting match. Mm-hmm. So now 141, Michigan will have Drew Matten, who's been pretty solid this year. Yeah. Uh, who do you expect to see at 41 for Ohio state? So this is one where, you know, Ohio state's it's, it's kind of, um, pick your poison in a way. So Anthony Echimendia, I, I mentioned earlier is this, you know, heralded recruit, you know, he's the Cuban missile, um, this guy that, you know, defects from Cuba, uh, you know, walks across Mexico and across the border to get to the States, you know, has, has a great, um, senior season in Arizona as a high school wrestler. He goes to Fargo and wins both stop signs and freestyle and Greco. He never wrestled Greco before. He just said, Oh, what the hell? I'm going to wrestle Greco. And he wins both tournaments. Right. So, he, he comes into Ohio State with more hype than I, you know, anybody uh, in recent memory. And here he is wrestling as a true freshman. He's, he's got basically a year's worth of folk style. So what happens is Etchemendi is lightning on his feet. He's so good from the neutral position, right? Because he, he's, he's a freestyle guy. He's an elite-level freestyle guy. So he can take the guys down. He can, he can get guys on the mat. But the problem then is you come to the second period and his opponent chooses top and Anthony goes down and he gets ridden out for two minutes. He just doesn't know what he's doing on the bottom yet. He just hasn't figured out how to get off the mat and get out from under guys. He's not super good on top yet, you know, which you would think for a guy as strong as he is, you just look at him, his biceps are bigger than my head. You know, he's a monster for 140, he's the biggest 140 pounder I've ever seen. And... You know, he just he's, he hasn't learned how to use his strength yet in all those positions. He just needs more time, you know, studying under Jay Jaggers and and uh, mm-hmm. Logan Steber to to figure out how to work guys the way those two guys did. So, you know, so on one hand, you say, all right, you know, let's put him out there, see what happens. Let him, you know, let him fly. Is let his let his God given athletic abilities fly. The, the other guy, though, that they've been running out, they've they've basically been going back and forth with is Dylan D'Amelio. He's a four-timer uh, Ohio high school guy. He's a guy who knows how to wrestle folk style, right? So that's he beat Echimendia in the wrestle-offs mm-hmm. because he was a better wrestler on the mat. Anthony actually outscored him takedowns. Um, right, I think but, it was two-to-one takedowns. Yeah, that's right. And and D'Amelio worked him over, you know, on top, just worked him over, rode him out, 
was the better technical wrestler on the mat. And and so there there again you look and say, all right, what do you do if you're Ohio State? Do you do you go with the guy that maybe and I say maybe because I don't want to take away from Dylan D'Amelio's athletic abilities. He's a great athlete and he's another guy that I know spent all summer in the weight room working to get stronger and get better so he could come out here and have a chance to to be a starter. So, you know, there's there there are options there. There's two different options, and I would say Tom Ryan is wanting to get both of those guys enough matches that whatever happens, you know, because COVID could throw a wrench in either plane. You could say, okay, we're going with Edgemendia, and you know, gosh, come down to the wire, and 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 he tests and he's out, you know. So you want to you want to be able to have options, and they've got two good options here, right? Neither guy has established himself as the next Logan Steber. Um, but, but both guys have shown flashes of being pretty great and both guys have had some clunkers too. So I, I would say, you know, we'll know when we know which guy runs out there on the mat, but either one of them has potential to put up a really great match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause we, we've, we've seen Eshamendi a few times now, but we haven't seen him against sort of a mid tier type of guy. It's been mostly, um, you know, guys who on WrestleStat are outside the top 100, and then Jaden Ironman, who's number one. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and you, um, you know, and the Ironman match is one. If you watch that match, uh, I, I won't say Anthony. You know, Anthony wasn't Anthony wasn't necessarily on the cusp of beating him, but Anthony was hanging with him. Yeah, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. And then he gets stuck. Right. You know, and and one of the one of my frustrations with with Etchmendia this season, I, I think he's got to get over this thing where. He slaps the mat after he gets beaten and, and, and kind yeah. of, you know, cries about his knee. It's like, no, come on, you know, take your lumps. Um, you got, you got stuck. It happens, right? I mean, it happens. Guys get stuck. Um, you know, I saw Miles Martin is one of one of my favorite wrestlers that Ohio State's run through in recent memory. One of the best they've run through in recent memory, you know, gets stuck in the NCAA finals. It happens. So you just got to get up and take your lumps. Um mm-hmm. You know, so you're you're right. Like it's it, there hasn't been a whole lot of middle ground for him. It's uh, been world beaters or, you know, the also rans. But the, mm-hmm. but but the challenge. This goes back to what I was saying earlier. The challenge with Anthony Echemendia is because because he needs to work on his mat game more. Is is those guys? Um, you know, let's use let's use here's one that was a common opponent between Matt and Echemendia, um, Danny Bertoni. So. You look at those two guys wrestled in the month of January, but you Matten wrestled both of them. Matten pins him four minutes and fifteen seconds. Uh, Etchemendia takes it as an eight to six decision. Like, what is that? Come on. Well, that's because, you know, he he, he didn't right. get he didn't get the job done on the mat. The takedowns, you know, there's plenty of takedowns. Takedowns are plenty. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the difference there. Yeah, I guess I would give the edge in that match to Matten because, like you said. If he can get one or two, he kind of puts it away. You know, he'll if he gets a takedown, that's the end of the period. Essentially, he's gonna yeah. probably ride it out. That's right. Uh, Echemendia gets one. Okay, he that's a point. It's it's plus two and then one for the other guy. Yep. No no amount of those. You know, I mean some amount, but it, it takes three or four of those to cancel out a takedown, a long ride out, and a stall point. And, and so it and this seems is like those... you're you're basically never safe, even if he has the lead. You're right, and so Ohio State for a lot of years um, has been a program that's had a lot of guys like that that go takedown to takedown. You look at Colin Moore and Kyle Snyder. You know, mm-hmm. they were a number one for that. We're not going to ride you. No, no, Colin could um, at times. You know, he would maybe shift gears 
and and finish a period. He wasn't a guy that was letting somebody up with three seconds to go in the match. And there certainly been Ohio State guys that have done some of that. And and, and I think your your analogy there with Anthony um, is is apt. That's exactly what you would expect. That okay, you're going to trade two for one. Um, it, if you're going to go takedown to takedown like that, you've got to be assuming that you're hunting for the tech fall, which is what Snyder and, and Colin Moore were always doing. They were always going for the tech fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, this is not a situation where, right. you know, you're not going to be expecting uh, Anthony to go for the tech fall against. Right. Ben, and when, when you guys have had guys like uh Pletcher or, um, you know, Romero, they're, they're obviously good on their feet, but they'll, try and bank the time in the first period if they get a takedown and they do pretty well with that. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, I had a point. I forget what I'm going to say now. Well, so the, I mean, I think the, to finish up this, you know, 141 with, with, um, you know, the, the match will be almost more interesting to me if they go with Dylan D'Amelio. I, th- yeah, I think that be. to me will be a more interesting match. Um, you know, in either way, Matt will be, will be favored, I'm sure, um, on paper. But I think, you know, I think Dylan could match up pretty interestingly with him um, if, if that's the way they decide to roll. I think it'll be a, mm-hmm. I think it'll be a, a competitive match for, for D'Amelio. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I don't know which guy might roll out, you know, see how they're doing there. Um, I know, you know, Etchemendia's knee had been bothering him and he did kind of, you know, express some discomfort there after the Iowa match. So we'll mm-hmm. see, maybe they decide to give him a week off. Or yeah. or wrestle some of these extra matches too, you know. That's the other. Yeah, thing. that could be. What is the feeling on a guy like Drew Matten, who comes from the state of Ohio, decides to go to Michigan? Well, you know, there's. I have to separate my, my journalistic um, uh-huh. objectivity with my born and raised in Southern Ohio, and and uh, did my undergraduate studies at the Ohio State University. You know, in, in full disclosure, um, I <laughs> I would say that um, I'll tell this story. So when I was in high school trying to decide where I wanted to go to college, dad was adamant, number one, that I was going to college. And and number two, that, you know, if I didn't get any scholarships or any kind of financial aid, he would figure out how to pay for me to go to college because I was going to go to college. And and if if that meant I wanted to go to Harvard, if I wanted to go to Stanford, University of Southern California, Columbus State Community College, uh, Ohio State, wherever I wanted to go, there was only one school in the country Dad said he would not have a hand in me going to, and you can guess what, what university that was. So I think for a lot of you know, Ohioans and Ohio State fans, that's sort of the feeling. Like you know, Once you cross that northern border, you're dead to me. Um, I will say, though, I think when it comes to wrestling, you know, we've had this quite a lot with, um, you say, look at Ohio guys going to Iowa. So there, you know, there were a couple guys on Iowa's roster, I think about the Bull, um, you know, being a, a prime example as St. Paris guy, Graham, Graham high school, um, Ohio state doesn't get them all right. Ohio state doesn't get them all. And I, you know, I don't know how much people make of seeing a guy like Matt and do well in, in, uh, amazing blue, like they might in football. Like I think that would get played up quite a lot. I think, it, I think you're going to see that, you know, across all three sports, certainly football, but but with what Coach Howard's doing with the basketball program, you know, there's a possibility you see guys that want to migrate north and, and play for that program instead of Ohio State's. It's it's one we don't love, you know. Jim Tressel said it said it this way. His job as a recruiter was to build the fence, you know, mm-hmm. around the state of Ohio and, you know, don't let the good ones leave. And I think, you know, I think by and large, Tom Ryan with the wrestling program has tried to adopt that same philosophy that you keep the native son's home as much as you can when you've got a spot for him. And you know, that's, 
you you look at this situation here. Okay, you had Luke Pletcher, right, wrestling in 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 that spot. You know, Ohio State had a great run at forty one. Mm-hmm. Um, going back, really, I mean, you could go clear back to Jaggers if you wanted to. You know, and think about the guys that they've had wrestling at one forty one over mm-hmm. the years. It's it's been a pretty strong position for them. So. You know, I I'd have to go back and and dig. You know, covering Matten's recruitment was before my time at Eleven Warriors. Um, you know, to know you know what Ohio State's um, situation was. You know, at that particular point in time, but they've obviously done relatively well recruiting at that weight. Um, but yeah, you always hate to see you always hate to see mm-hmm. a, a native son go north of the wall. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 149, it'll be, I think, a matchup we've seen several times before. Sammy Sasso against Cannon Store. Sasso's kind of owned that matchup. I think Store struggles with him, struggles to um, finish on him. I mean, Store this year has not been super offensive, but Store uh, generally struggles to score on Sasso and really struggles on bottom with him for whatever reason. Seems like Sasso gets a lot more turns against Cannon Store than just about anybody else. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Sasso's been pretty great on top, you know, with a lot of guys. I mean, shoot, look at, you know, mm-hmm. look at that Iowa duel yeah. we were talking about earlier. It seems I mean, like a, a lot of it is in transition, though. He um, yeah, he sets up well, you know, methodically. He, you know, gets the leg and he's able to get a turn. He's exactly right. He's, he's looking for a cradle. You know, he's, he's trying to get himself in position to do that. So I think he always has that in mind. More so, I think he's more so trying to to get the stick than that he's necessarily looking for near fall points. Um, right. You know, and he's not, you know, he's not the most prolific pinner in history or anything along those lines because he's got a lot of these matches. If you go back to, you know, his Pat Lugo series last year, you know, both of those were basically two to one decisions. Uh, you know, the one famously went into into the tiebreakers. Um, you know, if you look at you know, you look at his match last year with Storr, I mean, that's a 3-0 and decision, right? These haven't been, he's not a guy that's racking up a bunch of tech balls. He's certainly got enough bonus points, you know, in his in his career at Ohio State so far. So far. He's had a few pens um, each season. That's certainly not, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a rare feat. But I think he is a guy who's really very strong on top. Um, even if he's not going for the tilt every time, he knows how to control guys. The other thing that really I find interesting is is how he gets out of positions. You know, you'll have guys that will you can get to Sammy's legs. You know, it's not it's not the hardest thing in the world to snag an ankle with him or to go, go off a low single. But the number of guys who finish that takedown are few and far between. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's really amazing. And there are times when I watch him get into some of these. They're not scrambles, but just where, you know, guys are trying to finish the takedown. And he just bends in ways that normal people don't. You know, you're like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll look and like, my God, how did his ankles do what he's doing right now? And uh, it, it's really an incredible thing. And then invariably, he'll turn some of those into his own points. You know, the guy's shot and, and they end up in this kind of you know, extended sprawl. And, and he manages to not only get out of danger himself, but then to turn it into his own points. I just, Mm -hmm. uh, and and this season, maybe more so um, that, that Murren match was a good one there where there were several times where, you you know, Murren has, has shot on goal and it ends up being Mm -hmm. Sammy's advantage. Yeah. I think he's got one or two positions that he feeds into really well where he, he, you know, I wrote an article about this, uh, about the uh, Frank Chimizo and Kyle Dake match. 
that um, Chimizo and I think Sasso has the same ability that he, he knows he's really good from one or two defensive positions and everything he does is just feeding you into that position. Yeah. And so you think, you know, I'm a good leg attacker. I can get to this guy, you know. I'm not going to be, you know, caught in a single leg. I'm not going to get extended. I'm going to be blowing him off his feet. But he makes it really difficult to do that. He'll, he'll give you the position he wants, and he makes it tough to get anything else. Yeah, it's pick your poison, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, um, that's when I definitely see going Ohio State's way. 157, it looks like uh, Elijah Cleary for you guys. He's been the guy, and, and they've tried a few things at 57. Um, you know, they, they've given a couple other guys shots uh, at, at the spot. So you'd seen um, Isaac Wilcox as, as an example, a guy that they've, they've run out. And, and neither of the guys that they gave uh, a chance to sort of unseat Cleary at the position really established themselves. They, they, they weren't any better at it. And so you've got a guy who's a fifth-year senior, you know, he's, um, he's been the guy 57 has been a weight that Ohio state has struggled, struggled to put a, you know, a, a, a top four guy at for, for a while. Um, and, and so Elijah has been a guy who it just feels like is always right on the cusp. He's one of the hardest working guys in the room. Um, he's fairly consistent. You know, you, you can, you can count on him to be a guy who's in the match at the end and, it just is. It's it's is not taking that next step. I guess it's not ever kind of gotten over the hump. So he's a guy that's he's going to win more matches than he loses, but he's not a guy that you're expecting to see wrestling on the final day of the NCAA tournament either. Um, but they haven't, but they haven't found the guy who they trust to do it better yet either. Mm-hmm. In Michigan, I assume we'll have Will Lawan, who was. Um... And had a pretty good freshman year. Was I don't remember exactly what seed somewhere in the eight to twelve range. He's kind of on the on the bubble of being a top eight guy. Uh, I think this match is is pretty well tailored for him. He he he's so solid defensively. I don't think Cleary's going to be able to score too much on him, and then he'll kind of just grind you down. What what um what do you think of Luan? Have you seen him much? You know, I haven't watched him a lot. You know, his record his record's impressive. I think one of the things that I found really interesting when I was researching, you know, to get ready for our, our conversation was that uh, um, Cleary has the advantage <laughs> in that they've, they've... Yeah, was it a couple of years ago at yeah, one of the I mean, Open Yeah, it's been tournaments. a while. Clear back to 2018, right? Mm-hmm. You know, November of 2018. So it feels like it was a lifetime ago. Um and, uh, you know, it was a sudden victory match. So, you know, that's one of those things when you get a sudden victory, anything can happen. Right. And right. I, it was one of those that, uh, one-to-one regulation. So we traded escapes in regulation and, and clearly got the takedown. So, you know, but that was again, a long time ago. So, um, to some extent it just, I, I think you're right. It's one of those things where the Le- definitely the guy I would, I would pencil in to win that match just on paper. Um, but, but Cleary's guy, I don't count out either. You know, he's won some matches that, uh, I didn't necessarily expect him to, and he's been really close to winning a lot of matches that he, that he didn't, you know, he's one of those guys that just feels like, oh, you know, if one thing goes the other way, he's, he's lost several, uh, you know, three, two decision kind of matches that like, dang, you let that one go, you know? So yeah, but Luan's Luan's solid. I haven't watched him a bunch, so I don't have a, I don't have a, detailed scouting report on him to, to break it down, but his, you know, his record's solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then 165, I, I mentioned I, I like a couple of your wrestlers. 
Uh, Ethan Smith is one of those guys. I like the way he gets to legs. I I always kind of empathize with the guys who shoot a lot and sometimes struggle to finish. Uh, it seems like Michigan's had a lot of those guys over the years. And uh, Smith has actually cleaned that up a little bit, but that's kind of how I've always thought of him as the one of the higher volume guys on the Ohio State team. He is, and one of the things I like about him too, he is, he's definitely one that's in my group of guys that you just really enjoy watching because of how they handle their business. He's one of those guys that I think of as kind of like head down, always working. You know, he's not, he's not Mr. Flash. He's not, um, you know, guy that's going to give you truckloads of personality. You know, some of the, some of these wrestlers can be, you know, big personality guys. Uh, you know, there a lot of, and he's, he's, he's a guy that's always just going to outwork you. Um, super guy in the room. Um, again, you know, all summer long while this long off season, he was one that was in the gym doing the work, doing what needed to be done. And you can see it on the mat. You know, he's, uh, he has improved, I think, consistently and steadily every year. This was going to be an interesting year for him uh, if Carson Karchla was, was healthy in wrestling because I think Smith's intention was to move up to 174 and challenge his friend Caleb Romero mm -hmm. for the starting spot at, at 174 because Carson Karchla's a guy that, you know, I think people are expecting to be an NCAA title contender and due to injuries, not available. So, Hey, Ethan, we need you to wrestle at 165. And he's been pretty good at it. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's, here he is, you know, he's really, he's, he's a top 10 guy. Um, in, in my book, I think he's done very well for himself. Um, a match with Danny Bronig will get away from him a mm. few weeks ago, which it was, was maddening because that was a match he he, he could have and should have won and has won in the past. Yeah. Did you um, think uh, the weight had anything to do with that uh, being one of his first times down? Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe you know, maybe. Um, and and that was a, you know, that was a, that was the first match of the season, right? Or you know, I think that um, that weekend coming, was their opening. Yeah. Yeah, opening weekend, and and so that's yeah, you could chalk it up to that. Although I don't know. He, he has looked to me like he's had plenty in the tank at the end of matches. Now, every match since then, he's been, you know, stepping on the gas. So that he hasn't been in danger, um, really. He's kind of been exerting his will and, and you know, racking up major decisions. And you know, I think he was on a three-match um, three run of major decisions at one point. And, you know, he's just he's, he's had a really good season after that after that first match. So you say, well, you know, everybody has a bad day and move on. And maybe it was the cut. Yeah, could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Michigan's got uh, Cam Amin, who's, like we've talked about with some of these wrestlers, it, he's looked pretty good, you know, in, in the uh, the rankings. He's somewhere in the low teens, maybe around 20th. Yeah. But it's, it's just hard to know because he's only had a few, you know, varsity matches. He's looked really good with um, his leg attacks. I was a bit worried about, his ability to score points at this level, because it seemed like in everything I'd seen before, he just didn't shoot a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's picked that up a little bit, and he's finished so well that he doesn't need to shoot a lot. Yeah, you know, it's it's you know five shots and four takedowns. Um, th this actually I think could be a competitive match, but I would probably give the edge to Smith. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm, I'm expecting this is a match. If I'm you know going down through the rosters and Ohio State fan and saying, okay, what are Ohio State's wins and losses? This is definitely one that. Ohio State expects to win or, or should expect to win and I agree with you I think it'll be a really interesting competitive match I think there are I think there are gonna be a few matches here both ways where you'd say all right you know you expect 
one side to to get it, but it's going to be they're going to have to earn it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I think that's I think that's one that you'd say here that this is a, a match I expect Ohio State to win, but they're going to have to earn it, and that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. You don't want them you don't want them to all be blowouts, right? Because then when tournament times come, you haven't been tested. So yeah, yeah, uh, one seventy four I think is going to be one of the uh, the marquee matchups of the oh, duel. Yes. Michigan has uh, Logan Massa, Ohio State, uh, Caleb Romero. How do you see that one going? Yeah, Romero is my favorite guy on the roster. Just um, I, I find him to be a really fun wrestler to watch, but he's also m- maybe one of the best humans on the team. Um, super, super nice guy, hard worker, does all the right things. Like I think if you're a head wrestling coach and you're and you're trying to build the guy you want on your team, and I don't just mean – you know, how they wrestle on the mat, but how, how they take care of business in the classroom and in the community and uh, in the weight room and all, all those things. Good workout partner, good training partner. Um, you know, he's a captain. Uh, so, so obviously the guys look up to him on the squad and, and consider him to be a leader on the team. And so here's one that last year really had a breakout season. You know, he'd had, he'd had an up and down season the year before, and he'd be the first one to tell you that. He, he wasn't wrestling with a lot of confidence, it was a guy that you know lost more matches than he had maybe ever lost as a, a competitive wrestler. You know, it was a guy who was a super good high school wrestler in Ohio at Mechanicsburg. Um, you know, a four-year starter at quarterback on the Mechanicsburg football team. You know, he's just a guy that had done really well up to that point. And then he comes in and he's starting at 65, and it was a bigger cut for him. Uh, you know, he and Ethan Smith switched spots right that year. That Smith mm-hmm. had been wrestling 74 and. And Romero had been wrestling 65, and they switched, and I think they're both doing better. Uh, now, like I said, I think Smith wanted to move up to 74 just so he didn't have to make the cut. But they've both been extremely good at their respective weights. And Romero had this breakout season last year, and he finishes, you know, I think number four in the country, starts the season number four in the country. Was he a guy that was going to win the NCAA tournament last year? Eh, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe not, but was he was a guy that was going to be on the podium? You bet. Sure he was. I And, and he's wrestling with that same kind of, confidence you look at his his match in, in Iowa you know he's wrestling the top guy in the country he's right with him right with him um and and the match got away from him late because you know there's this kind of uh I thought it was a bit of a sketchy hey pulling the headgear call but I'll I'm willing to say that maybe I had the home team reporter glasses on and 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 say that but then um he had I, I found out afterward he'd been wrestling on a bum ankle all week I, I oh, guess okay. he'd been walking around in a, a walking boot or, or cast all week um, but really wanted to wrestle that match mm-hmm. which you know go back to our, our conversation earlier about people giving Tom Ryan heck for not wrestling Malik Heinzelman against Spencer Lee you know there's a there's a situation where they didn't need to wrestle Romero against you know the top guy in the class if he's on a bum ankle but Romero said I want the match and they let him have the match and, you know, he was right there with him toe-to-toe. So I think, again, this is going to be one that's going to be really interesting because Masso on paper is the guy that you say gets the nod. You know, he's he, he won uh, in 2019 when they wrestled, and he won pretty handily, 7-2 seven, seven, decision. Um, and, and obviously he's one of the top guys in this class. Nobody disputes that. But I think Romero can hang with him. Um, and, and this is one that could be a lot of fun to watch regardless of who you're rooting for. Yeah, definitely. Massa, I think, has tightened up a little bit in the last year or so, um, and maybe that makes it a little bit less interesting. He, you know, at one point in his career, he was taking a lot of shots, and it, you know, it, it let him beat some really good wrestlers. He he had all those wins over Isaac Jordan, yeah. But he would he would give up 
some points on his own shot sometimes, uh, and he would kind of wear down over the course of a match. I think he's, and part of it is he's just improved in everything. He's he's gotten better in the hand fight. He's gotten better just positionally, but he's also I think made an effort to manage matches better. Um, he's finishing matches really well. He's looked fresh at the end of every match. He's been scoring at the end of every match, uh, both at senior nationals and in college. Um, it it could be a, a bit of a tight one. It could be a, a 3-1 or 3-2 type of thing, but I think a, a close match, a competitive match, uh, but like you, I'd give the edge to Massa. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, I, I went back and was looking at the you know, common opponents and some of those kind of things, and um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, they both wrestled, uh, Joseph Grello, uh, Romero had a 15, five decision. Um, Massa had a 13, five, uh, major decision. Thir- Massa had a 13 to five major decision, you mm-hmm. know, the week before, or two weeks before, uh, they both wrestled Phillips Batafora, you know, Massa, um, beats him 18 to 10 yeah, major to 10. and, and, uh, Romero's was 19 to eight. It's like, okay, oh, wow. you know, how funny is that, that they're, that they're both wrestling the same guys and in, in mm-hmm. what more or less is the same score. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so yeah, what you said, it's going to be a, it's going to be, could be one that's pretty, pretty tightly contested. And I think we're going to enjoy it. I, I like, you know, Romero's a guy that his game you know, it's a lot of power, you know, he's got a pretty good blast double. Um, but he, but he's also worked on his single, um, this year pretty well, but he's a guy that if he gets you in the single, he's going to, he's going to use his strength and his power to finish it. Mm-hmm. Now mass is a guy that you're not necessarily just going to be able to bull rush, right? He's, right. he can stand toe to toe with a guy that's that strong. So Romero's other thing is, that, that I've really been impressed with him is for a guy who is as strong as he is, he's pretty dense. He's a pretty well-built mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. He's also pretty light on his feet, you know. He's not he's not a slow plodding big guy. He's a guy that's got some agility and some movement to him. And I and I think that's again why I think this is yeah, you said it, the marquee match maybe of the night. Yeah, that is um maybe an area for concern for Massa. He's I think struggled a little bit um in some of those positions when guys get to his legs where he he keeps them off his legs pretty well, but sometimes when guys get in He's, I mean, it's not like he's bad, but he's not one of those guys where it's, oh, you know, he's got the iron hips. You're never going to finish on him. Mm-hmm. Like um, looking at um, at a match with Michael Kemmerer, uh, I think I would favor Kemmerer in that because he just finishes so cleanly. Yeah. Yep. And that's, you know, and that's one where I look back at, at Romero versus Kemmerer and I'm like, man, you know, you had him right there, right? You know, that was such a close match. Uh, Kemmerer never scored on him, right? I mean, it was all... Right. Was, you know, an escape penalty stalling. Um, now Romero didn't finish on Kimmerer either, but you know that's uh, it was it was a three-one match, and it was not, neither guy was able to find that opening. So this that may be the kind of match we're looking at here mm-hmm. Friday night. Yeah. So one eighty-four. Uh, it looks like Rocky Jordan for Ohio State. Michigan's lineup is a little bit unsettled. Uh, we don't know if Miles Amin will be back. I suspect this is not, you know, I haven't spoken to Miles or anything, but it just seems like the chatter is that he's going to, if he comes back, it'll be at 197. Um, and so for Michigan, it could be someone like uh, Joe Walker or Jaden Bullock. How would you see that kind of match going? Well, I mean, certainly if it's not, you know, if it's, if, if it's miles, you know, you could probably write the headline now. Right. Um, if it's not, you know, then, okay, that's a much more interesting match for Ohio state. Um, certainly that, that gives them a match that they think they would go in expecting to win. 
Uh, Rocky Jordan's a guy that this has been a it's been a weird season for me to peg for him. You know, he starts last season. Um, he comes in at one eighty four after um, Gavin Hoffman had been expected to start at one eighty four. Uh, Jordan kind of lost a year due to injury and you know that they, they had Hoffman slated to start at 84 it was too big of a cut for Hoffman way too big of a cut mm-hmm. he ends up finishing the rest of the season wrestling open tournaments as a heavyweight for crying out loud you know so you get then Rocky Jordan in at 84 and and he had a decent season he's a pretty good season he comes into this season ranked in the top 20 um you know and, and has had some decent matches the the knock on Jordan and, and I mentioned this earlier, this is true of a couple of Ohio State guys, is he's just not great on bottom. Uh, and and unlike an Anthony Echemendia, where Echemendia just needs more time and practice to learn the technique and get comfortable wrestling on the mat and not just being a freestyle guy who gives a passing glance at folk style, Rocky Jordan's literally been raised in folk style wrestling, right? His dad is one of maybe the greatest high school coach, uh, of his generation. And, and he's literally, you know, eat, sleep and breathe this stuff since the time he could walk. So it's not that he doesn't understand the ins and outs and the technical aspect of folk style wrestling. Uh, but he has just not been great in the bottom position this season in particular. So, you know, you you see him wrestling, uh, against the miles of mean, no, it's it's not, not going to be a good day for him, but, you know, you come in um, and wrestling the guys that you mentioned, then I think Rocky'd feel like he should come in and get a win. Uh, you know, that that would be my expectation if I were him. I don't know what kind of confidence he's wrestling with right now because, you know, he came out of a pretty tough weekend uh, versus Iowa and Purdue. You know, he hasn't had the season that I think mm-hmm. he would have expected or hoped to have. Um, but you know what? It's it, the last match doesn't matter a whole lot, right? It's all about the next match. You just got to get up and, and, and wrestle it. Mm-hmm. And he has had a couple of nice wins. Beat uh, beat Max Lyon last weekend from Purdue. Yep. I think beat um, who was it? Uh, the opening weekend there was the um, sort of the the uh, they all beat each other with uh, Jordan uh, Bronigal yeah. from Illinois and who was it? Chris Weiler from Wisconsin. Yeah, that's right. It was a little bit of a round robin there. Um, and, and you, you know, so yeah, he comes into the season and he's, he's three and four, which, you know, it's like, gosh, that's a, that's, that's pretty terrible for a guy of his ability and his talent level, but you're right. The Max Lyon win was a really good one. That was a good, good bounce back. Um, and the, and the, the match with Nelson Brands, I mean, that's again, a match where I say he should have won that match. It's a three to three. I should, maybe is the wrong word. I should say could have, he, he, he could have been in that match. It's a three to three to zero decision. It's not like. You know, he got teched or, or something crazy like that. Um, he just he just didn't have it. You know, he couldn't get out couldn't get out from under. Um, you know, just it, it was not a good. But you're right. Then he bounces back and wins a pretty good match against Lyon. You know, his other wins are against Kyle Conker of Maryland um, and and Chris Weiler, which you know, again, Weiler's a pretty good guy. And and Jordan won that match in nine to four. It was a pretty pretty solid win for him. And, and so in, in a lot of ways, it just feels like feast or famine for him for whatever reason. He's either, you know, he's either in control and, and feeling his oats or, you know, he's had a couple of these four to um, decisions. You know, he lost to Braun Eagle, two to zip. Um, you know, the, the, the only one where he really got, you know, really got away from him was uh, in that uh, Rutgers duel 
um, mm-hmm. Poznanski. And, and what I learned about John Poznanski after that, that wasn't a guy I was super familiar with, but apparently he's a guy who really came on late um, as a high school wrestler. So I looked and was like, oh man, that's a big upset there because Jordan was ranked you know, pretty high at the time relatively. And I don't know if Poznanski was even ranked at that point. And, and, you know, after talking to some guys afterward, that wasn't necessarily as big an upset as it looked on paper, just because, um, Poznanski really has that, that level of talent, but that's really the only match so far that sort of got away from, from Rocky. You know, that was a nine to six decision, super Mm -hmm. high scoring relative to the rest of his matches all year. Mm -hmm. And is this something you see him being able to work through or is this, does he have kind of a hard ceiling on him for his career? Man, you know, that's so, that's really tough. It's obviously a tough question. It it is. And just because like, I look at his brothers and you don't want to compare, I mean, you're talking about Michigan, obviously he's got experience seeing multiple brothers, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the program, but you you go back and you look at Bo Jordan, who's on staff um, at Ohio State now as the volunteer assistant. What a tremendous career, four-time, you know, four-time All-American, you know, Micah Jordan, outstanding wrestler, Um, you know, those guys all three brothers, super highly talented. Obviously, Rocky was a really successful high school wrestler uh, there at at, uh, at Graham wrestling under his dad, and and you know he didn't have a terrible season last year either. You know it wasn't it wasn't awful. Um, what did he finish? I think twenty nine and nine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so you know it wasn't a it wasn't a horrible season. This one, it, it's been. That's why I think I've been so surprised. At, at at how this season has gone for him um, at three and four. It's this is not what I expected. I kind of expected that he would take that next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, you know, like you said, it's it's like one of the, uh, the one thirty three match. If if Amin goes here, we kind of know what's going to happen. If he doesn't yeah. go, we also kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. And uh, and, and Jordan, I think could. Um, could really pile it up against somebody, uh, somebody inexperienced like Walker. Yep. Uh, so 197. Uh, I think this is a kind of a question mark for both teams. Do you do you have any sense who it's going to be for Ohio State? Yeah. So you know, this is one like we were talking, um, at, you know, at 141, where Ohio State has a couple of options, and and, and you know, on one hand, you have. Chase Singletary, who was a really solid heavyweight for Ohio State, you know he's not—he was never a true heavyweight. He's more one of these guys that, you know, was wrestling at, at two twenty-five. Uh, you know, if there was a two hundred and twenty, if there was a light heavyweight mm-hmm. class, you know, at NCAA, it would have been perfect for a guy mm-hmm. like him. Yeah, and they—they—they uh, they, they have success uh, in freestyle because they can go two thirteen. You know, exactly right, and, and that's that's his natural weight. You mm-hmm. know, that is his—that's he wrestles ninety-seven um, in freestyle and, and yeah, he was a uh, what U twenty-three world teamer last U twenty-three world years ago. teamer. That's exactly right. And so here's a guy. His his career has really been sort of derailed um, by by three things, uh, and, and derailed is probably an unfair term. But so here's a guy who that season that he was a U twenty-three world teamer. Uh, had every intention of taking an Olympic red shirt. You know, if you recall, at that point, um, Penn State's uh, Greg Kirkliet was enrolled at Ohio State and was expected to be the heavyweight of the future for the Buckeyes. And what, I think four days before the start of the season, he announced that he was transferring away from Ohio State and, and wouldn't be wrestling for the Buckeyes after all. So Singletary gets thrown, you know, back into the mix 
expecting to take an Olympic red shirt. You know, he'd been wrestling as, uh, as a world teamer at the U23s. And he goes out to the Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational and has a season-ending injury. Okay, so fast forward, and we go through this this COVID off season. We bring in you know, so during during his absence, um, Gary Traub, the Cincinnati native, becomes this this legendary fan favorite. Gas tank Gary. You know, he's a walk on who goes out and you know gets himself qualified for the NCAA tournament. And had a had a fantastic season that no one saw coming. But then Ohio State goes out and brings in two-time NCAA qualifier, you know, the 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 eight seed at last year's tournament, you know, a, a top eight guy in Tate Orndorf. So what do you do with Chase Singletary? Well, Singletary's not a natural heavyweight. Orndorf is. Singletary, you know, been off a year and was, you know, was kind of already at, you know, wrestling at 97. Well, all right, well, let's just bring him back down to 197. That's more his natural weight. He's he's not a huge guy. Um, you know, bulk wise, he's, he's super tall, super long guy. Um, so he comes in at 97. Well, what will you also have on the roster? Gavin Hoffman, who's a guy who blue chip recruit from Montoursville, Pennsylvania had, you know, as I mentioned earlier, started last season at 84, ended up wrestling open tournaments at heavyweight just because they, I think they wanted to have some options. Um, you know, if they needed him that, that he could wrestle it. You know, at, at uh, heavy if need be, if something happened to Traub. Well, you know, so you've got all these bodies, and where do you put them? So they've they've alternated between Singletary and Hoffman at 97. And, and again, neither guy has really established himself as an obvious starter. Singletary's had some flat, rough matches. And I I don't know if, if in his case it's that he had, you know, so much time off be between the injury and then COVID and not being able to be in the room and training consistently. I, I don't know if he's still making too much of a cut, you know, that he really should be at 213 and and 97 is just 197 is just too much of a cut. I, he looks super skinny to me. Um again, you know, he's super tall. Um but when I see him out on the mat, I'm just like, my gosh, that guy is is skin and bones right now. And and I don't I don't know how much of the the seeming um, lack of energy that he's had late in matches is related to to weight management, or if it's just that you know he didn't have the off season that he needed because of COVID not being able to be in the room and train consistently and all those kind of things. I'm not sure what to make of it. Now, Gavin Hoffman, on the other hand, is a guy that you know he's lost some matches, um, but you know has looked pretty good in a few matches as well he's he's one that you know i think his record's four and three so you'd say okay that's not you know, it's not super great but um when i when i go back and look at his wins you know uh went over billy janser and the rutgers duel was a really solid match for him um you know he's had he one uh zach glazer from iowa one over kevin mccoskey of maryland you know those are guys that are you know like you said earlier down in the you know, bottom of the uh, top 100 in WrestleStat. Um, you know, and then he, he lost uh, to Panola there from Purdue in a 3-2 to two decision. That was one, again, that he thought he could have won. Uh, the Michigan State duel, you know, he wrestled a really great match against Cameron Caffey. That was a 3-2 to two decision that he could have easily walked away with and, and didn't. So Hoffman's a guy I think they're really going really gonna to think about, hey, maybe we need to stick with him. Um, because it just, to me, looks like Singletary's really had a rough go of it this year. And, and, and it, and it's a, 
that's kind of a bummer because he's a guy that really, I think, you know, stepped up when the program needed him um, when Kirk flew the coop and, and kind of paid the price for it, you know, because then he turns out the very next tournament and gets injured. So I, I hate it for that guy, but Bartomey says maybe they need to roll with Hoffman just because Singletary is just, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like something's quite right. Yeah, I remember when that uh, when I saw that wrestle off result, I was really surprised because I like Singletary as a heavyweight. You know, I yeah. thought coming back to uh, probably a better weight for him, and then Hoffman, uh, you know, it, it seemed like got uh, a good bit of attention at eighty four. You know, talking about oh he's going to start as a freshman, uh, and then it it did not work out, and then he, you know, so you've got basically uh, I don't want to say a bust, but a, a guy who looks like, okay, he's not that great against a guy that I already thought was really good. And it's just been completely the opposite. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the thing I'll say in Singletary's defense, I guess, like, you know, when you look and people that are listening to this, they haven't really been watching the matches might look and say, well, you know, he's three and one that's, you know, he hasn't had a bunch of matches. How are you deciding, you know, that you're kind of checked out on him already. And, and I'll look and say, well, you know, the, the first two guys he beat um, were in the extra matches, right? So they were they were giving Hoffman the nod. Uh, so he's in, you know, an extra match at Illinois, and he majors a guy 10 to zip. Okay, he's in an extra match against Michigan State, and he pins the guy in two minutes flat. And you say, oh, gosh, well, Singletary's doing pretty good. But but he's wrestling against, you know, the sort of the other guys in the room, not not the guys who you're expecting to run out at tournament time. Well, then, you know, you go up against uh, Jared Smith, um, from Maryland and, and, you know, it takes sudden victory. And if you were watching that match, Maryland fans are pretty sure they got hosed on Singletary winning that, that sudden victory duel. Um, I, I won't say that as an Ohio state guy, I think, you know, it was, it was called fine, but I think there was enough there, there was enough. If you watch the replay that if I was a Maryland coach, I might've felt, felt like that one got pulled away from me, um, in a four, four to two sudden victory decision. So then, you know, he goes up against Warner, and Warner blows the doors off of him, right? Uh, 11 to one major. It was not a great match. Now, you know, Warner's top five guy. Hey, so take nothing away from him. Um, but yeah, Singletary looked rough in that match. Do I think Hoffman would have, would have beaten Warner? Not, you know, no, I'm not saying that, but I just have been those last two matches for me. Uh, Singletary just didn't look right to me. And I, and I don't know, I, I don't know what to say is the reason it just, it, he didn't look like the guy that we saw wrestling in heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this is another kind of, I'm not sure who it's going to be for Michigan. If um, if it is Miles Amin, I guess I would see him winning these pretty comfortably. Sure. Um, if it's, so it's, it's been a little bit unsettled because Andrew Davison has been the guy for all three duels. He has not performed all that well. Uh, and there's been talk that maybe Jelani Embry would be able to come in. Um, it, the fact that he hasn't been in any extra matches makes me think he's probably just not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I don't know about if uh, Gage Garcia, a uh, true freshman, is going to be able to step in. But I, I would definitely give the edge to either Hoffman or Singletary uh, over Davison. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, if, if I'm penciling this thing out on paper, if, if Amin does move up, then, yeah, for sure, you'd say, oh, wow, that's a really interesting – and I think that'd make for a really interesting match. If it's if it's not him, I think this is a match Ohio State expects to win with either Singletary or Hoffman. But to me, I'd um, if, I, if I were – granted, I'm not in the room every day, but if, if I were calling it today, I'd probably say Hoffman, you know, is the guy that you see wrestle on Friday. Mm-hmm. 
Where do you see a mean stacking up, um, both at 84 and at 97 nationally? I mean, he's one of the best in the country in my book. Mm -hmm. you know? Like I, um, I really like watching him wrestle. You know, it's just it, you said it earlier that there aren't a bunch of guys that you root for for Ohio State, but there are a couple guys you like wrestling. I think uh, I think I could chime in on that too. And actually, there are quite a few guys uh, from Michigan that I enjoy watching wrestling, whether we're talking folk style or freestyle, because they're some of those guys that I really enjoy watching freestyle. The Sickle is a good example of that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, how many guys do you put ahead of him at, at either class? There aren't a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Not yeah, in my it's, mind. Just, it's just interesting because you know there's a lot of talk about 197 being a, a weak weight class, and I kind of agree with that. But I'm also curious to see how he stacks up against guys that size and well. A couple well of I mean, that's the thing that I maybe. wonder about. Like I just watched Warner, you know, pretty well take apart mm -hmm. Singletary, as I mentioned. You know, so I, okay. I think Jacob Warner's a an easier matchup for him, but maybe yeah, there, there's certain guys that could give him fits. Right, and 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 I think and I think that's exactly right. Um, yeah, that that class, you know, and it's been a few years since since you'd said, "Wow, that was a super deep class." Because mm -hmm. you look back last year, that was like yeah, that was, I think twenty fifteen. It was really really strong, and ever since it's been on a downslide. Yeah, I mean that's you you walked into last year and you're like, okay, who was really going to challenge Colin Moore last year? Mm -hmm. Who was it going to be? You know, so that's um, that's also maybe why you're looking and saying, "Hey, let's move up and and give it a go." Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, let's look at the uh, final match uh, at heavyweight. Uh, Michigan has Mason Paris, who's had uh, a pretty good year so far, had a really yeah. good offseason. Uh, Ohio State, uh, who do we think it'll be? Uh, it, it'll be Tate Orndorff. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be Tate Orndorff. They've, they've, uh, you know, they've given both Tate and, and Gary Traub their, their opportunities, um, for sure. You know, Gary, Gary is as I mentioned a couple times, a, a fan favorite. He's a living legend in Columbus. His season last year was just, you know, it, it was magical because here you have the proverbial walk-on who ends up never expecting to start in a duel at Ohio State. And because of Singletary's injury at heavy, heavyweight, all of a sudden, hey, Gary, we need you. Well, by golly, that guy went out and made himself an NCAA qualifier, you know. He had a, a, a really fun year, one some big matches. And, and part of the reason it was so fun was because you remember Ohio State was opening its new facility, um, the Cavelli Center, where, where the Buckeyes wrestle uh, their, their competitions and um, connected to the wrestling training facility, the Jennings Family Wrestling Facility. Bar none, the nicest facility in the sport. It's just they've really done a nice job with that complex. So it's the first season. Every, every meet is, is basically standing room only. And you have this you know, hometown guy, so to speak, or you know, a Cincinnati guy, a local guy, um, Ohio born and red, born and bred, walk on, you know, scrappy underdog, and you know he starts winning these matches, and he w seems to win them like late in the third, and so you you know you hit kind of that walk off takedown, and people go nuts, you know, they kind of peel the roof off the place, and and that's that's sort of when it when it started um you know this the legend of of gary traub as they call the legend of gas tank gary and so the fans just loved him um and it was a really you know an, an enjoyable season to watch him um you know and he won some big time matches seth you know beat penn state seth nevels that was one that was a big one um and and he was in matches you know he took trent hilger you know to the wire the big 10 championships you know tuto 
two two to zero match. You know, he was in some of these matches late. Um, and so when you bring in Orndorff in the off season, you're starting with the assumption that you bring in a heavyweight like that because you think he's going to give you a better opportunity in the tournament. You think he's going to give you a better opportunity to put points on the board. Yeah, so they're going to run Orndorff out there. Um, I think Traub's also been dealing with some injuries that will probably keep him out regardless. Um, but, you know, does Tate Orndorff go out there and, and, and upset Mason Paris? I sure wouldn't bet the farm on it. Mason Paris, to me, you know, this is a class where you've got a few good heavyweights, and I, and I don't want to downplay uh, Anthony Cassiope. I don't want to play, you know, downplay some of the other top five guys in the Big Ten. Uh, but to me, this is, you know, it's Stevenson and Paris. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's this class, you know, it's which one of those two monsters is going to come up, mm-hmm. uh, big down the stretch. You know, that's, that's my read on it. So Orndorff will wrestle. He'll be the guy, um, you know, Mason should go into that match expecting to win for sure. My, my hope is that Orndorff has a good showing. He's had an up and down season this year. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it hasn't been one that he's just walked in and, and, you know, established himself right away you know, he lost in the Illinois duel to Luke Luffman which you know Luffman's a good guy you know he's a good wrestler um three to two decision that was a big disappointment and then you know he ends up getting pinned that same um weekend in that that try meet by Hilger there from Wisconsin and and that was one it was like man you know and that, that happened 20 seconds to the end of the match you know it's like 640 mm-hmm. and he gets stuck and it's like man that stinks you know you you just brought in this top eight guy um and he goes over two on opening weekend now he followed that up you know with three straight wins um two of which were were bonus points wins you know he, he majors uh Rebitaro there from michigan state and he and he pins uh, maryland's guy which you know was not a not a guy anybody was was uh, i think he's i think he's winless this season in fact um but you know cassiope pins him at the iowa meet so then he goes out and he majors Purdue's guy. Again, he's not a top, you know, top 20 guy. Uh, so it's like he's won the matches that he was supposed to, with the exception of that Luffman match. He should have won that Luffman match too. Uh, and then the matches that were kind of toss-ups, um, Hilger and, and Cassiope, he gets pinned both times. So that's a – it's kind of feast or famine, I guess, with, with Orndorff. So, you know, this is one I'm sure Michigan feels good about, and they should. Mason Paris is the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this seems a little bit dangerous actually, because Orndorff, um, you know, he's a dangerous upper body guy, and it seems like <laughs> when it comes down to it, that's what he's going for. You know, even if he's, you know, just down by a point, he's he's looking to throw. I, I joked about that. I'm like, you know, one of the things Ohio State has a few Greco guys in the room. Yeah. Um, you know, the Koontz brothers uh, down at 125 and 133 are Greco specialists. Um, and, you know, uh, really Fritz Sherrill, I think, as well. Fritz Sherrill, who I, I love Fritz. I wish Fritz would grow his, his hair back out. You know, he used to have this just massive uh, red mop of curls, and he has these huge biceps. He's one of the guys, he and Etchemendia should be in a pose down for biggest biceps. Um, but Fritz is also one of the funnest guys on the squad. He's just super mm-hmm. personality guy. And he is, yeah, he is. He's a Greco specialist. So they bring in Orndorff, and I'm like, all right, Ohio State's, you know, keeps building this Greco program, but I want to see these Greco guys just throw it all out there, you know, like just get 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 uh, get the upper body game going and just start throwing some guys. And and you know, sometimes I think when they're wrestling folk style freestyle guys who aren't used to to dealing with Greco, 
that can throw some guys off. And I think you've seen that a few times in, in Orndorf's hit some of those throws and, and put on some crazy points. Um, I just don't expect a guy like Mason Paris to get caught off guard by Mm -hmm. that. And, um, but yeah, I, I'd say throw the kitchen sink at him, man. You've got that in your toolkit. Make make a go of it. This kind of seems like one where Orndorff's going to look worse than he is where because he, he'll go for things sometimes and he'll, he'll open up a little bit. You know, Paris has struggled with the guys like uh, his freshman year. He struggled a lot with, uh, Conan Jennings from Nebraska, uh, from Northwestern, mm-hmm. who's just really, really big and physical. Um, and it seems like the guys who are, you know, more fluid, he ends up doing well with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, Paris maybe gets a couple of takedowns. Orndorff, you know, instead of, you know, trying to tighten up, well, I'm going to keep this to 6-2, you know, he really goes for it to try and win the match. And it ends up kind of widen, widening the gap. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could see this one uh, a pretty good chance being a fall either way. Could be. So um, I don't know if you've been keeping track at all. How many matches do you have? <laughs> How many matches do you have Ohio State winning in this? Yeah, you know, there's. I think I was kind of going down through as we were talking and saying, all right, we had a couple where we weren't maybe super confident. You know, we'd said I think at twenty five and thirty three, we were in both cases maybe giving. Uh, maybe giving Michigan the edge pending on who's winning, but we think Ohio state's got a shot to win both of those matches. So maybe those are toss up mm-hmm. matches. I think 41 we felt was pretty, probably pretty confident that that would be a, a match Michigan would expect to win. Sasso is going to win at 49. Maybe you would say we're going to mm-hmm. pencil that in. You're going to give Luan the edge at 57. So we're kind of going back and forth here. Going to get, going to give Smith the edge at 65 74, you know, marquee matchup. Uh, you're probably going to say, if you were going to call it today, you say, oh, well, you're going to give Mass the edge. I'm probably going to give Romero the edge just because they're our respective guys. 84, you know, so, so to me what this hinges on is who who actually shows up for Michigan. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think Michigan pretty comfortably gets six matches if Michich and Amin show up. But if That's not, right. uh, if not, it's trouble. If, if not, then Ohio State, you know, yes. If both those guys wrestle, then then Michigan said it, should say, hey, we're going to have a pretty good day at the at the ball game. And if not, then it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. For Ohio State fans, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think for neutrals as well, this is, uh, this is on Big Ten Network, right? If not, it should be. Yeah, um, I think it's sure. the, uh, the, the, the televised one that night. They'll probably have the, uh, the A crew with uh, – Gibbons Sparks. and Johnson. Oh, yeah. it's, it's Sparks. Uh, what's it's it's uh, Sparks and Gibbons, and then Johnson and Flores. Is that it? Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's right. yeah, yeah. That's um. I think one they'll probably want to put attention on. And 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 I would if I were them. It's it's been kind of frustrating for Ohio State fans this season. You know, we've had uh, I think just two meets so far on Big Ten Network proper. The rest have been on BTN Plus. And they've been used to having, you know, five or six duels right, a yeah. year on the main network, and this is not that year. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a challenge where I get I get uh, mm-hmm. to get grief in my Twitter mentions about it every time they're on BTN Plus instead of oh, instead that's of funny, the network. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you uh, if you could take any wrestler out of Michigan's lineup and put him onto the Ohio State team, uh. Either this year or looking for a uh, long term, who would it be? 
Well, I, I would say, you know, if I had my druthers, um, Ohio State would have a heavyweight like Mason Paris. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Gary Traub fan. And, and Tate Orndorf has, has been a guy, I had a chance to interview him right when he got to campus and I was super impressed with him. Outstanding young man. So I love both those guys, but I just, you know, Ohio state, um, you know, when, when you had a lockdown heavyweight, Kyle Snyder obviously is a special animal. Uh, they don't just roll those off the assembly line every day, but, but Ohio state, when it's had um, a, a, a big time heavyweight. I, th- I think it's a better program, and and I, I love Mason Paris. The other guy I thought about saying there would would be the sickle. Um, I, I but partly it's just just because I really enjoy watching him wrestle freestyle. I think Ohio State, you know, could Jordan Decatur's guy that I expected big things from, and he hasn't maybe just kind of made that next step yet. He's a guy that I think could have used a redshirt season. So I I, I don't want to I don't want to sell him short, but. Michich or Paris would be the two guys I would I would go one of those two I think either way would be a would would be a pretty nice upgrade probably if if you were trying to build it specifically with an eye to the tournament you'd probably say Michich at 33 um, because he'd take you farther where where you're going to say okay Orndorff's going to get get you to day two Um, he's going to get you some points uh, in the tournament you know he's proven that he can do that and and can be a, a potentially guy on the podium so Probably, probably say for points purposes, Michich would be the obvious choice. Um, but for my money, I really like watching a, a heavyweight like Mason Paris wrestle. He's uh, he's really special. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to uh, end these with a match recommendation. What is uh, a wrestling match you want uh, everybody listening to this to go watch, whether it uh, it's a result they like or not? Yeah, so I mean, for me, it's going to be a three-match series, um, actually, and, and and I kind of maybe tipped my hand a minute ago with my answer to your last question, and, and that's you got to go back to the 2018 season for the three-match series between yeah. Captain America, Kyle Snyder, and Adam, I am going to the moon, Coon. Uh, I just was blown away. You know, number one, Adam Coon is a monster, right? Like, talk about guys, they don't just roll off the assembly line every day. That, that guy was a monster, is a monster. Um, and, you know, while I don't <laughs> make it a habit of rooting for guys um, in the in the maize and blue, when I'm watching him wrestle internationally now, he's, he's a guy that you can root for because he went toe-to-toe with one of the best to ever do it for Ohio State and Kyle Snyder, the only guy to do what he's done uh, by winning the NCAA tournament and the Olympic championship and a, and a world championship basically in a year's time it was really really something incredible and so watching captain america versus the incredible hulk it was kind of how i framed it up when i was writing about their series at 11 warriors uh, and for folks i'm sure everybody listening remembers this but but coon was the only guy to beat kyle snyder in collegiate wrestling over his last three years at ohio state um coon was the bigger guy by maybe 60 pounds um, he had a huge advantage in, in height and reach. So, I mean, this was truly, and, and Snyder regularly gave up weight to guys in the NCAA heavyweight class because he wrestles 97 kilos internationally, you know, so he's wrestling at 213. Um, I'm assuming that Adam Kuhn did not walk around at 285 
no, every I don't day think during so. the offseason. You know, he looked to me like a guy who maybe had a few pounds mm-hmm. uh, and, and had to maybe cut. He's one of the heavyweights that maybe had to cut to make 285. I think he's so, one that enjoys uh, Greco being 130 kilograms instead of 125. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly right. So you're looking at a much larger human who also was not, you know, is this is not the bear wrestling because uh, you go back to what we were talking about with Orndorff earlier too. When you guys got you got a Greco guy, you know they know how to use their upper body, and it's not just hey we're going to maul each other for seven minutes. You know he was a guy who could move, and so you watch in that first that first match, Snyder, you know tried to go for the lat drop, and and you know that didn't didn't work out. Um, and so you come back and you say okay, then they face off as 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 top two guys in the big 10 tournament and you know he uh he being snyder gets vengeance in the big 10 championship to avenge that loss and then they would go back and run it again at the uh ncaa tournament but i just um i really enjoyed that series between because there was suspense there was tension not a lot of guys made you sweat against kyle snyder and Kuhn was the guy that took him to the wall, you know. And so I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I enjoyed it even more so that Snyder came back and won, won when it really counted with the title on the line. Um, but, man, did I respect the heck out of Kuhn for what he was able to do with Captain America. And, and the only guy to beat him over a three-year period, that was pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'll answer that with uh, another three-match series. I think it was over the course of that same season. Uh, Miles Martin against uh, Bo Jordan. Actually, you know, it was the season before that, 2017. Uh, Jordan, you know, was you know an established guy, had been an All-American a few times. Uh, Martin came in, or um, no, Miles Amin came into that year. I think he placed like I had to laugh when you said before. that. It was like Miles Martin and yeah, Bo no, Jordan no, were both Miles Ohio State Amin, guys. Yeah, what Amin, match were we watching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> Miles Amin, uh, the way he um, improved on his results from year to year, he or from match to match that year, lost to him at uh, the Las Vegas tournament, and then I think mm-hmm. won in the duel, but very yeah. or uh, they I think they didn't duel that year. One at the Big Ten tournament in the semis, and then one the third place match maybe at the national tournament. So, so uh, some maybe on the backside somewhere, um, but just. Each each match did a little bit better. You know, went from losing, you know, six four to winning uh, mm-hmm. a close one, and then winning more convincingly. In the way he he kind of just uh, figured things out over the course of the year. I really liked seeing. Yeah, yeah. Those I I think they're that's part of the reason I love the the Snyder Coon series. Mm-hmm. You know, when you can see, it's one thing when you have two guys go against each other, and it's you know one guy wins all three matches and it's, you know, it's not particularly compelling or close, but when you have those where it's, it's back and forth or every match is it, you know, as a fan of the sport, when there's that kind of drama or tension and, and, or, you know, like the story you were telling there with, with, I mean, if you can see that consistent improvement from match to match and you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to learn something from this, you know, this guy, this guy took me to the wall or, Hey, this guy mm-hmm. really owned me on top or whatever it happens to be. And you grow from and get better. I mean, that's what the whole sport's all about, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll hopefully post links to those below. Um, definitely um, matches that I remember well. E- even the ones that Michigan didn't win, I remember pretty vividly. Uh, Andy, where can people find you and uh, your work online? Yeah, two two places to do it for sure. So 11warriors.com is the site. I, I'm also um, 
contributor, you know, Ohio State uh, insider, if you want to use the fancy media parlance for Flow Wrestling. Um, but maybe the easiest way is just to follow me on Twitter. If you are so inclined, I'm at Andy Vance, super easy to find at Andy Vance on Twitter and uh, love to connect with fellow wrestling fans and, and talk shop. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Twitter at oldest greatest. You can follow the show at Mitch WrestlePod. Uh, Andy, thanks for your time. Great to talk with you, Jack. Always love talking wrestling and, uh, look forward to a great duel in theory Friday night.